pretend the camera's not even here. Tell me what was going through your mind the first time you heard the diagnosis. Well, I went through all the different stages of grief. That sense of normalcy that you once shared, I had sacrificed really quickly. All right. How's that? Well, Doc? Unbelievable. I have Tony Todd in front of me today. How you doing? How's it going? I hope Clint explained to you. I've been spending the last two nights filming. And I didn't get done till five in the morning, so it's it's okay. You know, it's, it's these crazy times, and it's funny because you know I've been trying to interview for the past month, and uh, you know you, things come up, and you have sixteen projects in post production. I mean, <laughs> I don't think it's sixteen. Well, I, well I on IMDb it shows post production. I counted. Okay. Well, I I was busy before this crazy pandemic hit, you know, <laughs> and and still been able to you know say not as busy as I was, but you know relatively sane, throwing myself right, right. into work or promoting work or just in counting my blessings, man. Well, it's really funny because you know we were supposed to talk yesterday and you couldn't make it, yes, but I, I, right? But it's okay. Right before you, I had Kane Hodder, who plays Jason. You know, yeah. he has a new film out. So it was like a double horror day. And I, I still got, I got Jason Voorhees, so now I got the Candyman, so I'm happy. There you go. So <laughs> he, I'm glad. How's Kane doing? Is he all right? Oh, man, he's doing great. He's doing great. And I've never interviewed him before. What a character. I mean, that guy is hysterical. He's really got a great sense of humor and great yeah. stories. I mean, I never had a chance to talk to him, and it was a real thrill. So he's got a great outlook on life. Now, check this out. I was going through my, my archives, Tony. Yeah, what? <laughs> Who's this look guy? Look at that. One of my early headshots. <laughs> uh, look at that mug. <laughs> I, I'm an autograph collector, so I, I, I remember I met you somewhere and I got this. It had to be wow. at least 10, 15 years ago, at least. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Did you ever do those, uh, um, what was her name? She had the place over by Universal Studios. She had the hotel. Uh, you know, she was in My Three Sons. She always had uh, all the autograph show, the Hollywood Collector show. Oh, Beverly yeah. Garden. I think I walked in one of those once and walked out. It was Beverly Garland. That's what it was. Yes. Beverly Garland. So yes. you weren't there. Okay. Yeah. That's where I, I, did would, that. I, would... I did that for a half hour once. I didn't yeah. like, I didn't really like it. It was a dump. <laughs> well, I didn't want to go that far, but well, it, was, it was too sad seeing all these great people from my childhood just sitting there. And not only, yeah, that's true. And you know, I treated them with respect because I'm a fan and yeah, some of them, I, they didn't treat fans back very nicely. I, I won't name uh, names, but. That's bad. You know, it's a sad thing because the way our union is set up, so many of the people that we grew up on, you know, never got to share in the residual sharing portion Definitely, of it. Definitely, yeah. You know, so if you did look at Island for 13 years and you're not getting, you know, you know, you know how often they hear that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Brady Bunch. They're a little upset. <laughs> yeah, Brady Bunch, too. I mean, Sherman Schwartz died $200 million, made off those shows and he. You couldn't even give the cast just a little taste to say a thing. little taste. Well, yeah. you would think that's uh, well, you know, Hollywood is a business. People yeah. got to understand that it's a business first and foremost. I if got it. Ain't it. in the contract. Don't, <laughs> don't think you're going to get a gift. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, let's. Uh, we're here to today to talk about your anthology film uh, Immortal, and yeah. uh, it's a uh, different stories in this movie, and yours deals with euthanasia, and mm -hmm. this is such a different role for you, and it really showed your dramatic side. And, I was wondering for someone who's used to over the top kind of crazy productions, how'd you prepare for such, such a sensitive, such a sensitive movie? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? All my girlfriends are going to laugh at you say, well, you didn't know he was sensitive. <laughs> no, uh, you know, I come from the theater, man. I, I got an MFA in theater. I, I was fortunate enough to got 
get complete scholarships to two of the most prominent theater institutions in America. And I said, I told him, I'm at the interview, I said, I can't afford you guys. And I said, no, we need you here. All we ask of you is that you pay it for it. So that's all my career has about, been about, whether it's from helping young filmmakers, helping young writers, always, you know, and mixing it up with the, you know, the, the, the A-list films and, and the B-list films. And just a wild pour. Immortal came to me, uh, it reminded me of theater. Uh, Robin Bartlett was a joy to work with. You know, sometimes you have a person, you show up on set, both of you are prepared, you know your lines, all you gotta do is let it go. You know, it's easy. It's moment to moment, it's not forced. And also Alex, a young woman playing the documentary. Uh, it was just it was just magic on set. Sometimes you get in in a bottle and sometimes you don't. And, you know, and Robin Bartlett, she, she was really brave. She allowed to look very sick on screen. I mean, she- Well, that's what an actor does. I know. A she, real I, actor is, doesn't want to look perfect and pretty all the time. A real actor is holding up a mirror to society and includes each and every one of us, hair or no hair, right? <laughs> you need to do a master class. Listen to you. Yeah, you're well, <laughs> yeah I, I love theater, man. I love it and I've been blessed and I just, you know, I've been able to teach in my life and I've been able to be on stage. I've been on regional theater. I've been on Broadway twice. You know, I'm telling you, I love film. Film buys the house, TV buys the furniture, but theater builds. Where your heart is, huh? Where yeah. your heart is. Yeah. Well, who directed your segment? Were there different directors for each segment or who was yours for? No, uh, the, the same, the director, Ted, uh, shot was a DP on all of the films, you know, and then he and I went out for lunch you uh, always do that. A hint to all you young actors out there. You're not a star. You want to be you want to be part of an ensemble. So get to know your director. Not only is it smart, because if you guys click, you'll always have completed, you know, work. Um, but just, you know, it's it's a machinery and a crazy eccentric group of people all get together passionately to do a project for the fans. So yeah, Robin was particularly good. Our director was so pumped and so honest. It was his first, you know, his first feature part of the film. He had done DP work, but this was his first thing. So Robin and I said, we're gonna, you know, we arranged to have separate rehearsals on our own time, you know, so that we could just, we only had like four days to shoot this. So we had to do, had pretty, to do our homework. Pretty impressive, it really was. Uh, uh, I wanted to ask you about, uh, Masters, Master of the Universe Revelation. Uh, you did Scareglow, and I, so many fans are asking about this, especially my fan, Generation X, asking about it. And right. did you have a chance to work with Kevin Smith, or tell me about that experience? Yeah, he was in, well, we didn't, you know, pandemic. So, fortunately, voiceovers have been able to go on, but there's so many guidelines now. So, I was in the studio uh, where, where the producer and Kevin, they were all zooming in, you know, in the session. So, it was quite crazy, and... Uh, I don't know if you saw what he posted on Twitter about the performance, but I'm really flattered and honored to be part of it. And my boy, Mark Hamill's in it. And Mark and I did that crazy movie, Sushi Girl, a couple of years ago, so. Well, you know, is voice work more challenging at times than on-camera work or, or video yeah. games and animation? No, people think it's easy because we grew up with cartoons when we watched them when we were three and the whole point was to make it look easy. Voiceover is the hardest, one of the hardest fields in show business to get into. Everybody wants to do it because everybody has this uh, fantasy that you just wear your, your, you know, slippers and no underwear and <laughs> funny little socks and just go in there and have fun doing crazy voices. Yeah, people, go, people show up in pajamas, I've heard, you know. <laughs> 
yeah, crazy Frank. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but you just, uh, it's the getting the job that's the hard part. Like I get copy every week, you know, and usually have two or three days laid down. They get so many samples. It's all about the creator hearing the right voice at the right time for that project. You know, and when they do, they call you. My union, SAG after needs to raise the rates on voiceover work is actually the lowest paid of them all, yet the most popular at the moment. Uh, but they are good with residuals, so that's good to all the Gilligan Island people out there. I, I love how you're just a lifelong actor, and not only you just don't show up for a job, you're an activist too. Within your SAG after community, you look after actors. You're you're progressive. I mean, I never would. You're you're a, a Lou Grant. You know, <laughs> I, no, never, no, I never I never would have guessed I, that. I don't want to get in the messy world of politics because it sticks a stain on you. But uh, there's a couple of things that I'm taking issue with right now. Like they're trying to raise the minimum amount for health and welfare, health and pension in our industry, right? I think the new suggested figure is like almost 30 grand. In other words, you have to make 30,000 per year in order to get your health insurance. And that only belongs to, you know, there's only 5% of people that make all those astronomical figures that you hear about. But then there's a working class community of which I'm proud to be a member. And in between us and them, that's only 20% of all members of Screen Actors Guild. So if you, I, I look out for the new student, the new actor that arrived into town, got his master's in theater. And now with the pandemic and everything else, there's no avenue for their work. So how are they gonna make that nut of 30 grand a year in order so they can you know, save their lives? So we need to try to fix that. And there's a great organization called the Actors Fund that contributes to Anybody that's ever done a film or a TV can always apply in times of hardship and uh, they will at least help you pay your bills. So that's good news to hear. So, yeah, you know, because not only is the not only can't we be on the set like normal, but actors always relied on being waiters and bartenders, and even that's been crippled and affected. So, well, hopefully, we'll have a vaccine soon and everyone yeah. will to work. So. And I think once that door is open, we're going to see a freedom in this country that we've never seen before. Really? I could actually go to a concert? What? I can fly where I want to fly? Unbelievable. Absolutely. I can go to Vegas? <laughs> yeah, on. you got to come to Vegas. You know how tempted I've been to come up there, but it's not right yet, man. Oh, I hear you. I hear Why you. would I go to a casino and I, there's no bar in the casino? And no shows. And no, you know, come on. But... Someday, I someday yeah. soon. I love Vegas, trust me. I know you do. I, I appreciate that. My hometown. Uh, I just want to touch on the new Candyman. I don't want to go into any great depth of it, but it's on track for this year still to come out. And, uh, yeah, so, so far. Was it fun for you to revisit such an iconic character? Of course, man. Just one of, you know, Bernard Rose. Well, first of all, his original based on Clyde Biker's Forbidden, but Bernard Rose transposed it to Chicago and Vola we created something that was quite unique. And Bernard's a dear friend of mine, just like Tom Savini is still a dear friend. You know, another thing for young actors, it doesn't hurt to be friends with directors, okay? Because they're the ones that pick up the phone and call you. It's about repeat performance. And uh, yeah, this is gonna be something special. We got a female director, Nina, Nina DaCosta, who brings her depth, touch to the experience and uh, a whole new generation. And I think people are going to be, well, I know they are. I mean, I know the studio's very high on it, I, you know, full projection. I, I can't wait. And when the time yeah, comes, we'll, can I. we'll have a longer in-depth conversation about it. So don't you forget it. what I come. Uh, well, of course not. <laughs> I can't wait. You're the intelligent guy. Well, thank you. 
Uh, yeah. And finally, finally today, I know you're a busy guy. I'm not going to be one of those guys to take an hour. No, with you. when this is over, I'm going back and take a nap. So it's all good, <laughs> brother. <laughs> uh, do you miss the conventions and me uh, missing the fans? Of course, man. I mean, you know, I think every actor that's ever been in a horror film or even pop culture cons, you know, there's a whole lot of a community that actually relied on those cons uh, to make a living. And I, I, again, my heart goes out to people that are struggling. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's really, you know, Star Trek experience started the whole con industry, okay? And I was been fortunate enough to be on Star Trek. And I got, my very first con was in Vermont, Brattleboro, Vermont. I think it cost $5 to get into. It was 1990s. And uh, it was $5 autographs, you know, back before big business and corporatization took it over. But, uh, you know, the whole weekend, the fans and the actors were all in one big room, telling stories, drinking grog, Romulan ale, and just having the best weekend of our lives. It's changed a whole lot. But in the horror community, I'm sure you've been to a few horror cons. It is a rock and roll. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So, but the problem is, all these horror cons are always back east or in the Midwest. There's nothing in the West Coast. I don't no, know. Well, you know, they tried to do Vegas, but Vegas has got its own energy, man, and it's kind of hard to get people. We're not nerdy enough here. No, it doesn't well, work. Well, no, there's nerds there. It's, well, there's, yeah, there's but too many distractions, you know. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But I mean, even L.A. or Phoenix, we need horror yeah. cons, and I'll, you know, that's what we need. Yeah, we do. Well, this is a good one in Seattle. And, you know, uh, the good ones are the good ones. Monster Mania, Horror Hound, you know, Texas Frightmare, Some of the Days of the Dead. You know, those are the mainstays, uh, you know, but all of them and all the vendors out there that spend their lives, you know, quit the day jobs and then and go travel to this whole, you know, traveling road show. You know, I hope they're well, and I, you know, all of us, all of our community, not just horror, not just theater, not just acting, but the human community needs to just come on, kick this shit in this ass, <laughs> and let's get back to the party. Absolutely. Well, Tony Todd, uh, check him out in Immortal. It's unlike anything you've ever seen. You can see his theater uh, roots. And uh, thanks for talking to me, Tony, and we'll talk yeah. again soon. You got it. And that's a promise. Also, just a quick shout out. We got Tales in the Hood 3 coming out soon as well. Okay. So. Well, I guess we'll be talking sooner than later. <laughs> All right. Thanks, brother. All right. Yeah, good care. afternoon. You too. Thank you.